sorry. I apologize. It's okay. I was startled. But, but back to the snack conversation that we were having again. Oh, yes. Uh, speaking of cookies, mm-hmm. uh, where do you stand on Fig Newtons? Because I can eat about three of them every 10 years and go, that was fantastic. And then I eat a fourth one and go, fuck it, these are disgusting. Um, they, okay, first of all, they have to be specifically Fig Newtons. And about much like windmill cookies once a year, because they're bad for my system with all the nuts and whatever, even always, yeah. I will eat an entire box of Fig Newtons. And then I will be bound up for about 10 years. I say, because Fig Newtons are either going to really bind you up or just give you the demon squirts. Well, they'll eventually turn into something very uncomfortable and untoward, but yes. It's one of the reasons that I really, really, really love grape juice. Mm-hmm. cannot have it in my home. I will drink the entire bottle and just have lava flowing out of the back end of me. Absolutely. Like and sometimes eggs will do that to me in the morning. You're just like you're eating your eggs and liquid. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, man, I love like apple juice. I really like apple juice, mm-hmm. but I can control myself. Grape juice. I will. I'd lose track of it because mm-hmm. I love it so much. It's kind of like drinking Jägermeister. Mm-hmm. Actually, my favorite kind of orange juice, thinking about it, um, when I was a kid, they used to get them in these like little tubes and frozen from oh, the yeah. concentrate. Oh, yeah. And my, my mom, bless her heart, would always not fill it up with as much water, so it would be extra, extra, oh, Jesus. extra orange juicy. Like what they give you before like a glucose test? Yeah, one time I um, actually decided that it was so tasty, I set it on the counter and I ate, it, I ate a whole can directly out of the thing, just in a spoon. Wait, frozen or like halfway? I let it sit on the counter till it got halfway and took the lid off and just ate it like a like an ice a push cream. up. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is horrendous. I didn't sleep for a year. I am. I, I don't know why I'm mad at you for that, but part of me wants to be mad at you for that. It's I like, was eight and unsupervised. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> so it's like people are like, "No, actually, I like the robot taste of robitussin." And you're like, well, "No, you don't." I, I, I don't know why. I shouldn't be mad about this, but just, ugh, you dirtbag. It's not like I did it last week, buddy. I mean, I was eight. Hey, James, yeah. you've met you. Yeah. Would you put it past you to have done that like a week or two ago? Absolutely not. That's why I had to make sure that I <laughs> stated that obviously. Ooh, man, the one juice that I really, really love that comes in those frozen cans mm. that I have, I don't think I've ever found just in a bottle, Five Alive. Ooh, that's a pull. Yeah, dude, Five Alive is the tits. And they used to make, like, the fruit punch version Mm -hmm. that was really good, too, but they stopped making that. But now it's only the citrus, Mm. the citrus and the pineapple. But, oh, buddy. Speaking of that, pineapple grapefruit juice is the only way I like grapefruit. Really? I will drink a gallon of that shit, dude. See, I can't drink, like, the ruby red grapefruit. Mm -hmm. I have to get the 100% juice Mm -hmm. with no added sugar. Right. Because, man, do I love... A drink that you have a glass of it and your mouth is drier than it was before. No, no. The only time I can do that is pickle juice. I'll drink. And I got to watch it because I'll drink a whole jar full. It's good. Ice cold in the summertime. Mm-mm. Well, yeah. It's like Gatorade. Hell yeah. Just dump some sugar in it. It's basically Gatorade. I don't need sugar. It's pickle juice. You're gross. I am a gross man. Yes. P- don't people drink that with like vodka and shit? Ooh. Picklebacks? I'm glad I no longer drink. Yeah, me too. Because <laughs> that sounds awful. No, it does. Yeah, it sounds awful. It sounds absolutely fucking horrible, and nobody should ever, ever, ever do that. You know what you shouldn't do, though? Mix gin and ranch dressing. I did that once. You fucking monster. I know. If you I, are. I think that might be the whitest thing that I have ever said. That is and, just... And you know my dedication to the condiment of mayonnaise. Indeed I do. I, but gin and ranch dressing. It was a dare. It wasn't like I did that for fun. Did you imbibe... I just told you I drank it. It was one of the worst things that I've ever tasted I, in my I life. I personally put that out of my head just through the concept of gin and ranch and the even the thought of ingestion by anybody, let alone myself or anybody, it was completely foreign to me. That's why I had to ask, did you drink it? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm sorry. You monster. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're all, oh, dude, I've got to rethink our friendship. Uh, uh, speaking of monsters and horrible shit, hey, everybody, welcome to Horror Vomit. We talk about horror movies so you don't have to. My name is Chris Pfaff, and I am one of your hosts. And I am James Moreno. I'm the other one of your hosts. <laughs> oh, boy. You got do, me, dude. It's do, been a minute. Do we have a real humdinger? <laughs> all right, so I guess I'll introduce the... 
movie first. We're talking about 2004's Calvaire, mm-hmm. uh, written by Romain Protet uh, and Fabrice Duvels, also directed by Fabrice Duvels, starring Laurent Lucas as Mark and Jackie Barrier as Bartel. Mm. So, <clears throat> before I ask you a question, I think I owe you and possibly our listeners an explanation. Mm-hmm. So, we have a pretty strict policy of not watching films that graphically depict rape. This is a clear violation of that. Pardon the pun. In a, a few... I, okay, you jackass. <laughs> so, this movie does contain a rape, and I, uh, I, I will defend it as, uh, uh, as an artistic choice here in a minute. But uh, first, hey, James. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. You big old fuck pig, yeah? Teehee. Get it? Yeah. Squeal. How'd you like Calvaire? I experienced Calvaire, sir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think everyone did. Everyone mm-hmm. who has seen this, I think, it, it slightly changed. Mm-hmm. But um, a caveat to that is um, it's... Uh, uh, now, I'm going to have to expand on this. I can't do this now, so we'll get to it, but... Yeah, wow. So, so just, this is uh, whether uh, the director, because I believe he doesn't really care for the uh, term, the new French extreme mm-hmm. movement, but uh, this is lumped into that category. And uh, it, it's, that's one of the reasons that I decided this one was uh, better off than a few of the new mm. French extreme films because... Oh man, are there some doozies out there? Mm-hmm. And this one seems to be one of the uh, least offensive, but while still being completely shocking and uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So uh, this this might be a rough talk for anyone who uh, wants to bail out and absolutely never watch this film. Mm-hmm. I would completely understand. Absolutely. But I I do think it is a good film. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm I'm sorry. I've got 10,000 things to, I'm trying to put them in some sort of context. Maybe we should uh, talk about the plot of the movie. Yes. So, uh, Mark Stevens, I believe is a traveling performer, Mm -hmm. lounge singer whose van breaks down. He finds his way to an inn. Mm -hmm. Uh, the innkeeper then takes him hostage as his wife mm-hmm. and things go very, very awry. Mm-hmm. Just as a quick synopsis. Many mistakes were made. Yes. It's a uh, who boy. The, um, I, I guess what I'm going to dive into just how this thing was filmed. Cause I can compare it to another French extreme film that we've seen. And it's visually very different from High Tension, which is the only one I can compare it to in this genre. Right. I've read about a lot of different movies, but those are the only one I've actually seen. It's a very stark contrast. Although it was, like, say, High Tension was gross and extreme and disgusting and a lot of these things, it was stylized. The violence, extreme, was still stylized. Even in, um, what was that one we watched, Razorback, or what it was, the Australian film? Uh, Wolf Creek. Yeah, Wolf Creek. Wolf that, Creek is more along the lines of the torture porn right. era. But I'm saying it's still stylized. This yes. one, in the depiction of violence, traditionally you're going, it's almost like a, a dance when you see it performed on screen. But if you've ever been involved or seen violence in action, it is ugly. It is chaotic. It is all over the place. Nobody knows what's going on, and people are getting hurt left and right. And they depicted that in, in the most real um, way I've ever seen depicted in a long, long, long time. Because violence is not what we see it. Violence, real violence, is just short, brutish, nasty, and all over the fucking place. Yeah, we we have to, obviously we do a horror movie podcast, and we have talked about films with extreme violence in it before. Mm-hmm. This is uncomfortable. I, I I think what it does is um peck and paw movies do me like that because the depictions of violence are stylized, but they're brutal. They're right there. It's they don't shy away. 
and I was, it was given a lot of peck and pie, you know, I was, and again, just due to the depictions of how they're doing it, the, the lighting, the, the dinge, but it wasn't, um, studied dinge like we're used to. It was, everything was lived in. It looked like they were out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. In the Ardennes in France. And cause I was watching the movie and all of a sudden I, every world war one movie I had ever seen in my entire life, just, I was like, holy shit, are they in the Ardennes? Yeah, oh fuck, they are. Yeah, and that added like a whole bunch of shit for me. You know, I'm like, ooh. And then, unfortunately, I learned I learned a new I learned a new because I've been trying to study up since I'm doing uh, reviewing films. I'm actually starting to try to learn how to really review films. Right. And a lot of I just read a concept called the male gaze in cinema, and about the objectification in the use of the camera. And then, because I just recently, and then I watched this movie and I'm like, oh, the objectification. At no point in this movie was Mark Stevens ne- not an object. Yeah, he is effectively a non-entity. Mm-hmm. And, and, and throughout the whole film, he he's out, like, even when he has some autonomy, when he has choices, he's still an object for the women at the, you know, the, the, uh, retirement home and the nurse and everybody's an object, not really a person, an object to have sex with. Yes. Counterpointed. And again, he's not, he's always been a non-entity. And one of the, one of the complaints we've had, I've always had, like, say I complain highly over on the evil dead remake. Oh, fuck. Why does the tree got to do the thing? Why couldn't that be the dude that did? How come it didn't happen to, you know? How come it didn't go right up Ash's head, you know? Yeah. Well, guess what they did? They depicted it just like that. So then I I guess it is my turn to defend why I thought this was... uh, uh, I, I, I don't know how to say this eloquently, but why I let a film with a rape scene slide through... And it is because very, not very often is a man-on-man rape depicted on screen. Mm-hmm. Because in, especially with us being men, it's more uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Because generally speaking, when we hear about rape as a concept, we are not the victim. Mm-hmm. So we don't ever have to really think about things like that. And one of the things that I was thinking about is I know full well you and I both have made a joke before in our lifetimes mm-hmm. about going to prison mm-hmm. and, oh, try not to get raped in prison. Ha, 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 ha. Or I hope this dude gets fucking raped in prison. Mm-hmm. Ha, 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 ha. It's not funny whatsoever. Nope. That is not an adequate punishment for anything. And to depict it on screen like that... Mm-hmm. It is a shock. So rather than obviously 99 times out of 100 when there is a female victim, and I don't think you and I or any other man watching horror films really uh, really feels it, mm-hmm. the effect of it, like a woman, you know, since they are under constant threat every day. But, but on top of this particular point, think about this. After we've watched the movie, Yes, it was uncomfortable for us. Yes, men do get raped. Yes, these things happen. There's a different way I think about it while I'm watching the movie, etc. And my perception of it as art is different. Now it's an acceptable horror trope because I am the victim. Is it? It's. I'm trying to figure out how to say this because it's an interesting concept. A lot of my issues with rape depiction is... I'm protecting women. No. We all have the choice to choose the art we watch. Okay? And women choose to watch that movie. Do you see what I'm saying? Knowing that that is part of it. So I'm thinking differently of the idea of transgression portrayed as art. Right. So I'm able to now take myself from, wow, it's got to suck for women because all this, that, and the other thing. And now I've been faced with the same choice. Do I continue watching with this depiction? What does it mean as art? What does it mean to me? Does the, does, what does the rape signify? Is there an artistic reason for this? Is it, is it, you know, juxtaposing, is it real to the movie? And as a horror element, I can see why it's used. 
I don't condone it. I don't like the idea. And again, but that's a choice that I make for these depictions. If nobody wanted to see it, these movies would not be made. Right. So having said that, it really opened my mind up to other people's perception because I, I very rarely live outside my own head. And one of the other reasons that, for all the things that we have already said, but also the way it is shot, Mm-hmm. It doesn't celebrate it. Like, I feel like s- some films that have graphic depictions of rape <clears throat> will maybe stay on it a little too long. And I, mm. I get that, uh, yeah, you're showing the pain and whatever of this process and mm-hmm. this thing happening to a person. But sometimes it does feel a little celebratory. Mm-hmm. And this was, what, five seconds, maybe, mm-hmm. in a, with a red filter camera kind of spinning at the same time. Yes. So it artistically also, it, it wasn't, it was implied a few times. It was depicted, I think twice. Uh, one with Mark and I guess if yeah. you want to count the pig. Yeah. Yeah. There's pig fucking. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh. yep. And the way I wouldn't, I've never been there, but I'm looking and they brought the cab out and I'm thinking, Oh, the cab doesn't have teeth and it's like, Oh God. Yeah. Oh God. Oh God. No. And then put the head in the lap and I'm like, Oh fuck. No. Oh dear. Good God. Because it's, again, we talk about joking. Uh, traditionally when we joke, we joke because we're uncomfortable about something. Yeah. You, know, you old pig fucker. You ha ha. Yep. We're making it as a joke because that idea is so transgressive. That is so uncomfortable that you have to make a light situation out of it. And that is where you also sent me a text earlier this week with a, it was a one word text that said tone question mark. So <laughs> yeah, I, me, I'm just trying to, I want to use two different examples because I think the way that he uses, and I, it's not even straight up humor. Mm-hmm. It's strangeness that makes you go, what the fuck? The extreme awkwardness. Yes. So I want to use two other examples because we can talk about them. It, it, this uh, film begins with Mark singing to the retirement home. Oh, God, it was awful. <laughs> which, again, it's it's not funny, funny, it, but it's like the Tim and Eric bit kind of funny when you see it and go, what the fuck is this? It's surreal. Because it's him effectively singing to like a MIDI track. Mm-hmm. And it's awkward as shit. But people are digging it for real. And that makes it even more absurd. There is the part where after right after his uh, van breaks down and he's following Boris through the forest. And he says something about like, is it all right for me to leave my van here? And Boris stops, looks at him, goes, what is it? uh, I I told you to be quiet. Part of being quiet is keeping your mouth shut. (laughs) And he just turns around and walks away. Yes. And then also the uh, dance sequence in the bar. Yes, because here's the deal. I had to split this up because this movie is very intense. And I can only handle so much intensity at a time because I I process slowly. So I had to watch this 20 minutes, 10 minutes, another 10 minutes, and then I had to wait the next day. So what happens is I saw all the stuff with the oddball tone stuff one day. And today I saw the rest. Yes. If, so that but, tone so, lost it. I was like, oh, okay. So what that does is it gives a sense of levity without jokiness. Mm-hmm. Because the contents of this are so extreme, when they finally start dancing at the bar, you, it's kind of almost like a respite. Mm, but that was disturbing. But, but, it, but it's weird enough to where you stare at it and go, what the fuck is happening? And again, it's not funny. The but, only, but comparatively to the rest of the film, it's funny. The only music in that whole movie was that weird discordant thing he was playing. And I had to rewind that twice for that piano because I, I was digging the fuck out of it. Mm-hmm. And it was discordant and he was playing two separate things. The, the things by themselves were a bit atonal. So I but together get... I'm like, dude, I need this. I want this to calm me down at any given time because my brain was completely engaged at all times. Then they started that weird shuffling dance yes. and they're staring at each other. And I'm like, are they going to fight or fuck? What is going on? This is not, oh, what is uh, and so the people they have oh my god the casting for this so that's what I'm saying is that when you're making something like super duper like difficult and challenging 
you need stuff like that, but you can't be jokey about it because otherwise it's a big fuck you from me. Mm-hmm. So I have two other examples just for anybody who might know. And one of them is film related and the other isn't. So the film related one is, do you remember in Kill List, the one about the two hitmen who get involved with yes, that yes, weird yes, cult? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a scene where they're at the restaurant and the guy pulls out the acoustic guitar mm-hmm. while they're sitting there. And these two dangerous ass motherfuckers, the one guy loses it and gets up <clears throat> and basically verbally assaults the guy playing the guitar and breaks it. Mm-hmm. It adds a sense of levity without also being funny because he could have just killed that fucking dude. Right, right, right. No problem. And th- again, that's that's the kind of tone that I'm talking about. Where oh, like, yeah. You need that little bit, but you can't be Marvel-y one-liner about right. it. But it, this is, it wasn't a cheap, like, it was gruesome. And in retrospect, I can kind of laugh at it. In high tension where he was having the head give him head. Yes. Ha ha, I get it. Yeah. It's a joke joke. There were no joke jokes here. No. But they, again, we, we talk about balance it's a lot. levity through weirdness. Right. So they balanced the horror that we see. And most of our horror is psychological. It's, it's oh my God, they're sharing his head like a sheep. What, what, there was no purpose to that, but it was fucking horrifying. Yeah. Or like Bartell's it, joke. That he tells. Oh, Jesus. And, and that's a really, really good scene, too, because it does the levity. Th- and he is actually telling a joke in that, but it's so fucking awkward that it's not a funny joke. Mm-hmm. But in the exact same scene right after that is that transgressive moment where he tells Mark, like, well, no, I just told you this joke. Now you sing. Yes. And it's that perfect amount of tension in that one scene that, mm-hmm. like, man, this is such goddamn good filmmaking. This mm-hmm. dude rules. And again, everything is plausible, and and that's important for me in a movie. I'm, I'm <clears throat> because everything else in this movie was plausible. If this movie had taken any fantastical breaks, I would have been okay with it, and I would have ran with it. But it is also surreal at the right. same time. But it needs to maintain its plausibility to keep me engaged through this horrific movie. And it, it, it's a delicate balancing act because we talk about how things have to be framed, not just in, I'm not talking about picture frame, but um, story-wise, how they have to be framed, like actually filmed for us to be allowed to experience it because having it too much, then what is the point of this film? Is it art or is it just a depiction of brutality? And, and that's a very, very fine line. And I, obviously, this movie made it for me. It made my whatever my test is. And again, it has to give you a reasonable excuse, I guess I would have to say, to be able to engage in the art. Yeah. And even like the transgressive move of putting a character like Boris in mm-hmm. here, who he's just a mentally challenged young man, 30-ish. Yeah, I couldn't Who's, tell the relation. Was that supposed to be the... No idea. I mean, again, but it seems like they have some kind of familial relationship. I mean, they must. And um, so he's mentally challenged. He's slow, I, w- I guess we would say. And old boy is completely off his rocker. And there must be something in the water in that town because there are no women in that town. But oddly, that w- I, I didn't understand when they panned to the children at the side of the road. Where did they come from? Why were there kids? There were no women. There were just these old dudes. Yeah, not a clue. And I'm like, stranded it, soccer team? What's going on? See, that's one of the things that I really like about this film, too, before we go any further, is just it offers no answers. And that is one thing that if you're going to do that, be consistent about it. And I think, again, like you said, this movie was consistent enough about, like, no, this is just this event taking place. Because there were no hints. There was no clues. There were no rewards for proper viewing you know, like I'm becoming accustomed through watching these films okay these are the shorthands that we use now so I'm going to look for these because they're going to put them there for me the easter eggs this was easter egg free this was red herring free this was just like you said straight up simple story fucking telling yeah and it's so goddamn disturbing when you watch Bartel snap because it's at almost the halfway point mm-hmm. and that's when because we know that he's committing these transgressions. Mm-hmm. He broke into Mark's van. He stole a couple things out of there. 
obviously he doesn't mean well mm-hmm. and but, he wants to keep him there. Right. But at that point there were no illusions to uh, that his wife had been sleeping around. I think he might have had like a, a little hint of it before. So, cause I'm watching this disjointedly at that point, my brain was gone. Okay. He just thinks it's his wife. But when they add the element of she was sleeping around in town and he's jealous and doesn't want her out of his sight that added about two levels to that psychological horror because there was one thing to be kept captive, right? But to be kept captive and, well, obviously hostile act, but from a hostile entity as opposed to, a, you're my wife, you'll understand eventually. You fucking do what I say right the fuck now, you whore. Yeah. You know, that's a whole different dynamic. And understanding at the same time that it isn't Gloria, mm-hmm. that it isn't his wife, that it is Mark. Mm-hmm. But continuing any the fuck way. Yes. Because continuing the delusion because it's easier than facing the fact that this is just somebody who's also a performer mm-hmm. and is going to leave. But it was weird that last part where you said, I love you. You know what I mean? And at that point, I was just like, dude, you didn't need why." Are you Gloria now? What is that? Was the intimation? What what's going the fuck on? So I I'm not entirely sure what the director had to say about that. I know there's interviews where he kind of explains uh-huh. it. See, where what I took that as is Mark is a genuinely probably good person. Mm-hmm. We don't know because he's not a person through this entire movie. No, I know, but I mean, yeah. there's no indication that he is has any like moral misgivings really right. whatsoever. He's kind of a douchey guy. <laughs> But I, my thought is he knows that he's not going to survive uh-huh. because he is out in the absolute yeah, French that, countryside. That was my only gripe with the film. He, he, would have, he would have died of exposure the first night in the, in, in the rabbit snare. He, he wouldn't have made it, especially after blood loss. But, but that's just a little picking of the nit. Right. But what I'm saying is that I think he looked at that as his last chance to like perform a good act. When, regardless of how this person had transgressed against him, Mm -hmm. this man was dying, so why not make his final moments, whatever, just the last act of a, like, genuinely good person? Mm -hmm. Because that is the, I I know there's the... It's the only satisfying answer. I know, but I know there's the whole idea of he is accepting that he is Gloria, or some explanation Or or it's just he finally snapped all the fucking way. Yeah. And either way... Again, that ambiguity, there's no very specific, all the men in this town had this thing with the thing. No. Just a bunch of fucking hill people, and you're there. Fuck you. And that's what I was wondering is, uh, I forget the uh, other older guy's name, uh, Bartel's yeah. nemesis, yeah, who uh, actually is the dude from High Tension. He is, isn't he? Holy yeah. shit. He's Latour. Yes, he is. Yeah. So... What I kind of picked up was, as is maybe they are brothers. Could be. And Bartel got out, because I really do believe that he was a comedian. Yes. That he had left and came back with this wife to a his possibly inbred family. Mm-hmm. And there had been a long-standing feud between them of sorts. Okay. And, and it makes sense, too. And, and I think it was intimated that she was also a singer. Yes. And um, would sing at the club. And I'm thinking, uh, you know, maybe a bunch of people got to be at bay. And he knew it. So when he brought the next glory, they didn't care. Ah, There's glory now. Yep. And and, uh, possessing what was Bartels. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's absolutely. Absolutely. Because there there seemed to be like a... a It it intimated at class struggles. It intimated at... um, relationships it intimated a lot of things it, it there, there's a lot of depth in this movie and i didn't have time to give it a whole you know to look for a bunch of themes the themes that were obvious were i think more than enough but if i really wanted to now that i'm learning stuff if i really readily wanted to dig in they're giving me themes which i like about the about the two french extremity movies i've seen at least they have a hint of art house two of them they have a hint of you know, this is a crafted piece rather than just a shock piece. There was thought behind it. It's not just, 
hey, we're going to, you know, we're going to show you Mondo Bizarro. This is this scene, this scene, and this scene. No, there, there's a complete look, feel, and everything to it. There's, there is cohesiveness throughout the entire piece. But it is also very cruel. Absolutely. <laughs> and, but that is the point. And I, I was reading a short snippet of an interview that the director gave. And he obviously at the time, you know, said that Texas Chainsaw Massacre was one of my favorite films. Mm -hmm. And I, I know people out there, probably everybody's seen it, but it really still to this day, it's pretty fucking heavy. Like, it is. And it's it, a pretty fucking hardcore movie. It's I watched, I tried watching it once when I couldn't watch horror movies, but I was determined to have seen it. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm going to muscle. I could not muscle through. I could probably watch it today. But again, the depictions much like this movie were chaotic and gruesome and, and cruel. Yeah. And it's the sheer, sheer brutality of both the actions and the thoughts behind the actions, which makes it that hard to watch. But I wanted to look at it instead of watching it as transgression on screen, which is the original reason I watched it when I was 13. I'm going to go see a guy with a chainsaw, hack people. Whoa. I got to tell everybody I saw this, you know, to it, it was built a certain way. And I'm, I don't know any of the cinematic qualities of it because I've never looked at it in that light. So I'm probably going to have to go watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre so I can compare it. But you know, the, the brute, again, the, the way that they portrayed everything was so disturbing because it was real and stylized at the same time, but it kept that brutality again, so weird and chaotic with the pigs running in the camera angles. And it wasn't shaky cam. It wasn't a cheaty shaky cam. The spinning was almost like a natural head movement of somebody who's confused. And, you know, it was like a POV shot from, from the victim. And that made it work it because, you know, again, it adds to that. Where am I? There's no sense of place. There's no sense of who is who. It's just a bunch. I'm looking at a bunch of shit that's freaking me out. And it freaked me out. It was beautiful. And the violence is immediate, too. Yes. Because, obviously, we know something is going on with Bartel. Mm -hmm. We know something is snapping in him. But when we see him taking an axe to all the windows, and, oh, shit, he's got an axe. Mm -hmm. We know there's going to be violence, but the level of violence, we you couldn't imagine Absolutely. what is coming. And what I really liked is... Every time you've heard a shotgun in a movie, ch -ch boom, ch -ch boom. Have you ever been around a real shotgun? Oh yeah. Have you ever been around a damn near homemade shotgun? No. The old Luparas, like the big old Italian, they they shove whatever they can to shoot. Yeah, that's what those sound like. They actually got the sound fucking right. It was so accurate, some of the sounds and, and the flashes and everything, that it, it kind of set me off. I had to put the movie down for about a good three hours because it, it, it set off. Sometimes gunfire will set me right the fuck off, and it did. So, so But I, th that added to it because it wasn't that stylized booyah sound. It was, a, it was a fucking cheap old farmer's shotgun, and it sounded just like it. Yeah, and I mean... You first hear it when it shoots through the window and catches Boris, but then it's either right before, during, or right after mm -hmm. the rape. They just shoot Bartel right in his fucking face. Yep. And the way that it's shot, again, you can't see much, but you can see splatter. Yes. And the way, okay, just how many times, oh, God, fall over, jump around. No, when, when Boris got shot, he immediately went in the shack. Blood came out of his mouth. And he was staring at it like like you would. And then he fell, you know, from, from hydrostatic blood loss. It just, it happened. And they depicted it like you would think it would happen. Because, you know, everybody jumping around and, you know, it's cool to watch. But that's not this movie. They kept that tone. They, they owned it. And I, I'm actually really glad to hear you say that you like this because there is one part in this when I knew that you uh, probably wanted to throw your remote through your television Which or part whatever was that? you were. Oh, when he was crucified. No, you know the part I, when he was continually uh, 
I would rather watch a crucifixion depicted in an art house film than watch people be embarrassed and be people in awkward situations because of my, uh, my issues. I'm always awkward and I always feel like the odd man out a hundred percent of the time. So when I, I, when I see it depicted on screen, it's too real for me. And that's what makes me extra uncomfortable. It's like, I'm probably not good, never going to get crucified. So I can proceed. I can watch this as an art. You know what I mean? So there's the big difference. I say because usually any type of Christ pose or crucifixion, anything, I I immediately go like, oh man, James is going to be mad at that part. Well, I would have been had there been Catholic overtones, had there been the big you know special boy moments, or weren't. This guy happened to have this win. He didn't want old boy to leave, so he fucking hung him up. And what I really appreciated about that scene is. Okay, you think about it. What he had on there is the same thing you'd hang a carcass, what you'd hang your animals up to bleed them, right? And when you do that, you don't want to put through any part that has just little flanges. He actually put it through the, the radius and the ulna. Yep. He popped it right through there. So A, there's no major arteries where he did, so the person will live there and will stay there. They're not going any motherfucking place. Uh-uh. Because the ones in the hands, you've seen, they can pull through because you're already in that pain. Just f- finish the fucking thing because you use nails, not spikes. Yeah. And again, the realistic idea, why would that be there? there because you're going to, if you're on your own home farm, why are you going to send that to get slaughtered? You're going to do it there. So you, you pop it out so you can dry the skin afterwards. So if it had been crucifixion for the point of having just specifically that pose for that scene, then yeah, fuck you. But everything in there was plausible. There was a reason for everything to be there. He didn't bring in that cross because we're gonna go nail old boy. You know, I like I always planned on nailing some. No, that was already there. And I think one of the most uncomfortable scenes for me, and I don't know why, but after he shaves Mark's head mm-hmm. when they're going out to go get a Christmas tree. Oh God! When he was sitting on the back, chained to the. And just the way that Bartell was interacting with him Mm -hmm. at the time, it's so goddamn unnerving. And that's what we talk about. Like, this movie is violent. It's cruel. It's disgusting in places. Mm -hmm. But it's more than that. It gets in your fucking head. Well, think about it. Obviously, you're thinking, you know, you're you're worried about the victim. I I put myself a lot of times, what are they thinking? What's going on? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then we know... That Bartell is out of his fucking gourd, right? But tell us about what a great Christmas this will be. We'll get together. And we're going to chop this bad boy down and this and that. And he's just all happy and you're watching. And the thing that really gets me about this too, and like you said, makes everything plausible. Bartell's not like a criminal genius. He's not Mick from Wolf Creek. Mm-hmm. He's not this brilliant tracker. Mark just gets away. Mm-hmm. Because he's fucking around with a Christmas tree. Yes, and the fact that he got caught by a hunter's snare. Again, plausible. Because I've had to set trap lines. I had to learn how to set trap lines. There's not going to just be one. If you don't know what you're doing, and old boy did not know what he was doing. Well, even if he did, this is a situation where you are at no point thinking, oh, rabbit snares. So he would have no idea where the fulcrum point was, where the pole was. His hands are, he's handcuffed, he's in shock. And so, again, adding to the plausibility, because you could sit there and go, oh, fuck, just pull the thing off. No, if you don't know what the fuck you're doing, and your hands are behind your bag, and you've lost that much blood, you like you said, you're not thinking about that. And it's freezing. The cold was its own character in this movie. Mm-hmm. Because, I'm, well, I've obviously lived a cold place my entire life. You know he was wet. You know he had blood loss. You know all of these things. You can see the steam rising from him. He's losing heat. He's barely dressed. He's wearing a fucking dress. And I felt that cold through this whole movie. I felt it. I was in my warm house and I was cold this entire movie. That's how well they depicted it. And that's what I think is brilliant about the final shots is it is, it's just cold, dead, barren wasteland, which leads me to believe that Mark isn't surviving this. Oh, no, I mean, he's not going to make it. Even if by some miracle, 
whatever, he's going to die even if somebody finds him. Because he'd already been over chest deep in freezing water. He's been out in the elements and he's already exhausted again, blood loss. He's got severe head wounds. So there was absolutely no way. He, he shouldn't have made it through the first night except, for, you know, I, I'll allow it through, you know, movie, whatever. Yeah. It's not asking me to pull a lot, so I'm going to give the movie that. And, and human beings are a lot more resilient, even than sometimes movies depict. Yes, yes. And, and again, that's why in my head I'm allowing it, again, through the conceit of art. Yeah. And it is to the point where, like, at the end, like, man, I do hope that he just died. Yeah. Because <laughs> put yourself in that place. I would not want that. I'm sitting there going, my, my only thing is I'd ate the shotgun. I'm, gonna, I'm not even going to lie. If that happened to me, the shotgun's there, fuck it. I, I don't yeah. want to be cold. I'm done. No. Nah. Yeah. The the my life is irrevocably changed. Mm-hmm. I'm finished here. Yeah. And I like the fact again they left that ambiguity open. Did he shoot himself? Did he come to the elements? Did any of those other people survive? They're gonna find him. What's gonna happen? Because if they find him and save him, guess what? It's <laughs> it's even worse. Yes. So we are left to our own devices to figure out his fate, which is again. I usually don't like that. Fucking write or write your movie. You know what I mean? But in this particular case, because nothing was explained and nothing was set up, I loved being allowed to come up with 12 endings for this film. You know, it's like sometimes I'll recut movies in my head for fun, you know? But this movie itself, it doesn't need anything. And the ideas that it left me with really made me happy that I watched this movie, which I will never watch again. No, I, I will probably never watch this ever again. It's like I said, I watched Man Bites Dog once. Yep. <laughs> once. And uh, I get it. I don't ever need to revisit it. Because at that time, I, I kind of knew a little. I was dating a girl who was in taking that class. Yeah. So I'm reading the books and I'm watching the movie. And I'm like, oh, I knew shit then. And then, you know, years of fucking my head up and, you know. Are you okay? Yeah. Okay. Something just popped up on the old computer. I was like, oh, what? No, I got mail. Ooh, he's got mail. So, yes. I have one question to ask you. Mm hmm. Do you think that the old woman at the beginning who tries to get him to grab her crotch, do you think that that is Gloria? It didn't even occur to me because in my head she walks out of the room saying you you fucked it up you old fucking slut oh wow and later in the film that is what mark is just being referred to because he is now taking the place of gloria okay you know what if that is the case that bookends beautifully and i love that theory because even if it's not true it is true in my head now god damn it because it didn't occur to me because i am Walking into this blind, I've been doing this on purpose as much as I can. Going into it, because I won't even know if it's a zombie, a vampire, or this, or that. It won none of those. So, the beginning of every movie, my brain's going even faster than it usually tries to go. Until I can grab onto something. So, I miss that part. Damn it. Mm. I mean, it's, no, it's, it's I like not, it. not confirmed whatsoever. It was just by the end of it when they were just referring to him as slut. And then I had rewatched it and she walks out of the room mad at herself mm. you know you old fucking slut oh, like, but you know that would make a lot of sense because we are never ever ever let known what happened to Gloria no except that she left she could have left he could have capped her and that's what made him crazy we don't know and I love the fact that it allows me to put all of this conjecture in here because now not only did they give me this story but they gave me space to put my story onto their story, which personalizes the movie for me, which makes me want to talk about it more. Yeah. Yeah, fucking smart people. God damn it. Yeah, this is... Like I hope I said, that wasn't manipulation and me just enjoying a movie. God damn it. This is absolutely not for everybody. Oh, God, no. It wasn't even for me, but I'll tell you what. Um, as a new movie like reviewer kind of person, I am very glad that I experienced it. I would never have... If I'd have known what the whatever was in it, I'd have said, fuck it, I don't need it. I saw Deliverance. You, you know what I mean? I fucking don't need this movie. <clears throat> but having watched it, it has opened up a whole bunch of different areas of thought in my brain. And that is welcoming because I get stagnant all the time. So anytime I can be shown something different or new 
And uh-huh. uh, this movie did that for me. I don't, you know, experiences may vary, but damn it, it kind of got up in my head and made me think a whole bunch of thinking. And that's what I really like about when we've talked about it numerous times. Watching these foreign films, it's it's not structured like a North American, not even just Hollywood, but just, you know, the way that we tell stories mm-hmm. in our culture. It's not structured that way whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It's just this very bleak outlook where it doesn't have an act one, two, three, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't, does it? I mean, it it does in the loosest senses of it, but it it is very much just a very stark, brutal, but well thought out, well crafted. Just, mm-hmm. it's really fucking good. Well, I think I, I think I can kind of make a analogy here. Like some movies, like all movies, have to have a rhythm or we can't watch them. Yes. Okay. But you got a studio, like a studio album. Everything is produced and everything is engineered to be dead solid, balls on perfect, and this and that and the other thing. And and then your, your live show, where all of the all of the rhythm is natural and, and and it varies and it does different things and it it has a more organic feel. This movie is like going to see a live show as opposed to listening to a studio album, and it is better for that. Yeah, because it's. Yeah, it doesn't have that like beautiful cinematography. It's good. Don't yeah. get me wrong. It, it. I'm not saying it looks like shit, but it's gritty mm-hmm. and it looks gritty and it looks dirty and it looks raw and it looks real dirty, not fake dirty. Exactly. It isn't like, well, let's smudge it up and we'll make it look grimy. No, this is lived in dirt. This is generational mess. Yeah, and it's not like Baskin dirty where it's just viscera everywhere. Right. And it's yeah, it looks like an old farmhouse. Mm-hmm. That they tried to is. keep clean for a minute, and then when, when the lady left, the man left to his own devices. You know how filthy that gets. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's a, But it was depicted. Dead balls on. Yep. And like I said, I started watching, because it's the first in a trilogy, the mm-hmm. Ardennes trilogy, uh, Fabrice Duvel's. I'm down, man. So I, I watched a good portion of Alleluia, mm-hmm. the second in that trilogy, the other night, I think last night. Mm-hmm. And it it's uh, based on the Lonely Hearts Killers. Okay. So it's not like a completely original story. Obviously, it's based on. Right. It's not the retelling of. But it, it also stars uh, uh, Laurent Lucas. Oh, cool. Mark. And he's really fucking good in it. Well, see, here's the deal. I forget about him acting in this movie because he followed the depiction, and I'm sure he followed the direction absolutely perfectly because of that we could read any number of things onto him and that takes a certain skill because he was there but he wasn't and he was reacting but his reaction in fact one of the things that they did in this movie and i've seen quite a few times recently is the mocking of the pain the mocking of the screaming oh you're screaming i'm screaming too haha <laughs> isn't it funny we're all screaming now we're singing together with screams and to take away, again, that one little bit of voice that the victim might have and just, ah, fuck you, you don't even get that. We're taking that away from you now, too. You, you are now completely an object. And It's fucking brutal. It is. It is. And it, it makes you think. It's not, again, not something I ever, ever, ever want to revisit. So, uh, hey, James. Yeah. Would you recommend Calvair? Because to certain people, I would. I was just going to say. If somebody ever gave me the, hey, what's a really good fucked up movie? Okay. Well, I, I got something for you. It, it's not just mindless, stupid violence. You're going to have to think. Let's put it this way. I wouldn't tell Hoops to watch this. No. Not unless I really hated her that day. Yeah, no. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? But and I, I'd, tell, I'd tell one of my, my other buddies about this. Like, you know, I'd say, you've got to check this out because I know you saw this and this. Yeah. And I think this will really, really give you some different perspectives. I mean, fair warning, it's going to turn your stomach. You're, it will. You're going to see some dudes fuck a pig. Mm-hmm. Well, kind of. Well, you see somebody uh, getting glory hold by the old calf, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's um. Mm. But, but at least Boris found his dog. Mm. Yeah, that same calf. Yeah. And you know what threw me, though? And what really scared me, too? It was that Boris... Found his dog, which was the calf, right? Yeah. That he'd already... 
So when he thought it was the dog and had his head on the lap, I'm just Bella. like, I was just like, no, 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 they're not going to do that. No, no. And well, then he bit his leg. And I'm like, oh, good. Oh, good. Oh, good. I thought they were going to try to recreate the cab scene. You know how sometimes they kind of prelude something and then it comes up. No, thank goodness. Uh-huh. Which again, kept me off, off guard because there are a few places where, because there are certain beats we're going to counterpoint this with this. This happens here. This happens here. There's a counterpoint. You're going to see him as this. Now you're going to see him as this. So there were a couple of those, but there were a couple where you think they might have gone one way and they were like, no. And it wasn't like a fuck you know. It just, the, the story just, didn't happen to go that way. Just restraint. Filmmaking yeah. restraint. And it was beautiful. Uh-huh. So yeah, if, you, if you're into, if you've seen things that are, like if you've seen other French extremities or you've gone the distance with some really hard subjects... You would be able to see this, and I think it would give you a different view of some of the other movies that you've seen in this milieu. Yeah, it's 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 affecting. Indeed, it is. Like like we started this off with you saying, "Well, I experienced Calvair." <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, I think that is the general reaction as well. That was fucking something. <laughs> Indeed, it is. Uh, but hey, James, yes. where can people find us? They can find us at horrorvomitpodcast at gmail.com. They can find us on Instagram. They can find us on Facebook. We also have a little Facebook page, and they can find us where all good podcasts and ours are found. And if you wouldn't mind giving us the old five stars or a five-word review, it really does help us out. It's something that you can do for free. It gets us into the old algorithm, mm-hmm. pumps them numbers up so we can be uh, podcast ten dollar in airs hey look if i if i got uh, if i was a a penny air at this point from podcasting i would count it as a win dude yes we 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 paid for our gear and we have a penny yes we are successful motherfuckers professionals indeed indeed as the french would say presumably i don't fucking know i don't just put an l and and then again the more letters there are some kind of asshole that speaks french no you're the kind of asshole that would drink ranch and gin i sure am fuck you france (laughs) should we be done (laughs) push the the fucking button